Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast where we talk about the latest comics in the X-Men Dawn of X line. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by the Slender Man himself. <laughs> you got me with that one. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. It's Josh. <laughs> I was, I, fuck, I was going to say something, too, and he threw me off my game. I had a, uh, I had a, I had a come in ready. All right, whatever. Okay. <laughs> So today, everyone, since we don't have any new comic books, technically, we're reviewing a, a classic comic book that I have a lot of new opinions about. But before we get to that, we do have one new comic that came out just today. Just today. We're recording this on Wednesday, May 27th. Yes, Marauders. I don't know what number it was, but Marauders, came, Marauders number 10 came out today. We're not going to review it. We're going to let the comics build up a little bit so we can get a big stack of them going, and then we'll do a massive review like we usually do. Yes. But today we are covering Wolverine by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. I have not read this story in quite some time. And I, I haven't either. Here. Yeah, and I have different opinions about it, surprisingly. Like, I don't know if this book actually aged too well. No, I don't think it did. And I, listeners will remember when you posed this series of, so let's tell people how we got here. Okay, go ahead. Previously on Dawn of X. <laughs> um, God, I've wanted to say that since the beginning. Um, <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> my friend Nick, he posed to us here on the podcast live. I had no idea what my man was about to do. As usual. And he, as usual, I never know what you're about to do. He was like, let the listeners decide what we'll listen, what we'll read next. So we put up a Twitter poll. We gave you some choices. And y'all. Hundreds of 12 of you. All dozen of you picked Wolverine. Um, noble choice. You, Frank Miller, great artist. Chris Claremont, phenomenal X-Men writer. I knew going in, I said it last week, I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel good about this one. I remember it not as well as everyone else remembers. It. It's, not, it's never been one of my favorite graphic novels. It's never been one of my favorite Claremont or Frank Miller pieces. Though I will say it did make me appreciate Frank Miller, the artist. Yes. More than I have in a while because I, too often it's intertwined with Frank Miller, the writer. Who? Yeah. So <laughs> well, let me give the results real quick. We had 33% pick House of M. We had 25% pick uh, Mutant Genesis by Jim Lee and Chris Claremont. And then 42% picked Wolverine. So it was a tight, it was a twi- it was tight, tight uh, 12 person voting. I was literally getting ready to read Mutant Genesis because at the time it looked like yeah. it was, that was going to win. Yeah. And some more people came in. Then y'all, y'all came through at the end and you, you gave us Wolverine. So if you don't like this episode... <laughs> you look yourself in the mirror and you think about the choices you made, dear listener. <laughs> so you brought up something that I have uh, strong feelings about when it comes to Mr. Uh, Frank Miller. So when I was younger, I was a pretty big fan because I read Dark Knight Returns. That's a classic book. For those listening, um, Nick is 473 years old. Yes, precisely. So when he was younger, he means like 300. Yeah, and that makes Frank Miller at least 800. So... Um, might be honestly we'll get there so (laughs) when when dark when i first read dark knight returns everyone knows it's a classic batman story it's fantastic the art by um klaus jenkins Mm -hmm. yeah fantastic art great writing he was the inker i think the inker 
Um, so that writing was so ahead of its time, really, and it was very gritty. The problem is, if you read more of Frank Miller's material, you see certain tropes. As much as you see tropes in, let's say, Quentin Tarantino's writing and directing, oh, he definitely has a foot fetish. That's Tarantino's thing. Frank Miller's thing is women are whores. <laughs> That's the best way to put it, sadly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to his writing in DC, uh, one of the worst sequels of all time is the sequel to Dark Knight Returns. It's awful. It's some, it's some of the worst art I've ever seen, too. But then, which in one? Contra- I'm sorry, I, I was looking up something. Oh, the, the sequel to Dark Knight Returns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. I think it's Dark Knight Strikes, Strikes Again. Again. Yeah, it's yeah. Awful. Terrible. The third book wasn't bad. Um, and then when you have his indie stuff like Sin City, which is great, 300, which I've actually never read 300, but Sin City's great. And then when we get to his Marvel material, I have read, I want to say, all of his Daredevil run. His Daredevil run might be his best work. For, I would say, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're definitely the Frank Miller women are whore tropes throughout yes. the daredevil one I who mean, betrays oh, daredevil, who, a junkie Aaron, woman, yeah. <laughs> like who it got lured into doing pornography pretty much. Yeah. So like, it's like on the fucking nose for Frank, yeah. for Frank Miller. But that aside, if you can, if you are, if you can put that aside and you don't, you shouldn't have to, frankly, yeah. um, it is a good story and it is the story that gives us what we think about today. When we think about Matt Murdock, so w- with saying that, when I read Wolverine, a part of me was like, how much of this was actually at least influenced by Frank Miller? Because the art is really good, but the writing had a Frank Miller tone. It did. And it, it definitely, it was definitely Claremont at his most noir. Yeah. Because it's not quite his style. It was definitely verbose, which is Claremont's style. Yes. It was definitely like, oh my God, is there ever going to be an end to this exposition? Claremont style. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely skimmed some of that stuff. I, will, like, I know Wolverine. I know who yeah. he is. Thank you. I will say, and, and for so Wolverine was published in 1982. This graphic novel or this this miniseries was published in 1982. So at the time, I think it was more Chris Claremont than Frank Miller. He, yeah. I think he helped plot it, but I think the script was was Claremont because I don't think Miller at this time had the clout. Yeah. To to like. Like Claremont did. Like Dark Knight Returns was published in '86. The okay. Daredevil run, I believe, was right before that or right after. I can't remember. Though. But it was mm-hmm. mid mid to late '80s is when he when Miller became the thing. the the Golden Child. At this time, it was Claremont's way or the fucking highway. And, and when on it an comes X Men book, yeah, definitely. I mean, no one was touching an X Men book without Claremont. So I don't think I I honestly think that this story is at least 90% Claremont. Okay, no, that's fair. Um, Miller's art, I think, is really good in this, especially the fight scenes with the hand. So fucking good. The transition between, like, pages was really, mm-hmm. really smooth and nice, and, like, this the, the way he explains the fight scenes and, like, the samurai fight scenes and, like, the sword fights and everything, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It felt like... I mean, obviously, it felt like Frank Miller. It's, it's, he, had a, he found his style very early on in his yeah, career. Yeah, it felt clearly. clean, almost. Like, focused but and clean. It definitely... The art, to me, was better than the art in Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um, and it was comparable to his work in Sin City. Like, yeah. it felt like 
the only note I you, you'll notice I don't I'm not even looking at notes right now. The only note I fucking wrote for this one episode was, "Damn, no one draws city landscapes like Frank Miller does." Like <laughs> the way his like his perception of it is it's it's off. It's both surreal and neo noir and and like futuristic while se- somehow still feeling modern. You know, like it's crazy yeah. the way he's able to like make a city look both wide open and suffocating at the same time it's insane yeah it's it's a definitely unique style but now when we get to how this book has aged actually speaking of age i'll do a little quick story when i met frank miller uh oh, yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. <laughs> when i met frank miller i was at megacon one year and i said you know this would be really cool unique experience you can sign my copy of dark knight returns that'll be cool that man i'm not sure how old he is right now but he looks like he's a hundred and dying mm-hmm. yes. because in that same moment, Stan Lee himself came to the booth that uh, Frank Miller was signing and they talked for a little bit and gave him a hug. Stan Lee looked better, looked a hundred times better than Frank Miller. At Frank the time. Miller is currently 63 years old. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. That was about currently. Yeah. That was about, <laughs> four years yeah. ago i want to say i believe so yeah because I, I remember when you went up yeah it was it was a while back so he looked like death and he's looked like death for a while mm-hmm. so yeah and yeah. like i said like you mentioned today i i don't i definitely get a little eh when i hear he's gonna write a book just because oh yeah he has his tropes and mm-hmm. it, it's very not no. even conservative i don't even want to say conservative just very anti-women and Muslims for sure. He had a whole book called Holy Terror. I don't know if you knew about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Where it's just, it's basically Batman killing Muslims. Like that's mm-hmm. literally it. And DC would not publish that. So he made mm-hmm. a whole new book called Holy Terror and like stuff like that. I'm just like, dude, something happened in the late nineties where he went crazy. I don't yeah. know what it was, but he went insane. In I don't 90s. know though. Cause when you go back and you read, some of his stuff it was it's there more subtle though. the misogyny was there though yeah the the racism was there go back and read dark yeah. knight returns again like all the villains all the gang members were dark skin like except for the nazis yeah but like in sin city most of the bad people are dark skin you know like a yeah. lot of and i mean like he's very like and even the white people who are bad are stereotyped. Like he's very much like a stereotype person. Like he takes a stereotype and he turns it up to fucking 11. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, no, the, but definitely his biggest fucking, my biggest issue with him is his misogyny. Like it, yeah. it's, it, it's insane. It's insane. Cause it's that, but he's also made a, f- a few great female characters like Carrie Kelly and oh my God, right? are like, great characters. They are. But again, um, yeah, Robin was awesome. I, I loved Carrie as Robin. Um, Electra though, it's, it's hard because he gave her some depth for sure. He made much like he made the Matt Murdock. We know and love today. He made the Electra we know and love today, Yeah, but also his Electra was basically just fodder for Matt Murdock, which basically just um, a catalyst for Murdock to be involved in something, a a reason for Bullseye and Matt Murdock to hate each other. You know, like it was all... Which you could see kind of hints of that in this story. Oh, 100%. The women here are just meant to propel Wolverine's story forward. 
Yeah. So let's get into the story. Now, this opens up very, very similar to the movie, The Wolverine. Well, a movie that I've always said until like the ending of the third act is actually a very good movie. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the Wolverine, especially extended version. And um, I'm not when, sure if I saw the extended version. Honestly, it's like a it's like a radar cut. But sure. yeah, they they add a few more things, a little more blood and stuff like that. Is it and, on HBO Max? No, because it's oh. not HBO content. Oh. Who has that? Is that still Sony? So Disney? I mean Fox, so Disney. Fox, yeah, Fox or Disney, yeah. But they haven't done anything while their mm. X Men stuff yet, really, for mm. some reason, as usual. All right. Um, anyway. But. This story opens up with Wolverine hunting a bear, having to kill the bear and realizing this bear was poisoned by his darts. And instead of the darts killing him, it drove the bear crazy. So Wolverine goes to the bar like a badass and beats up the guys who poisoned this bear and takes him to the authorities. Uh, then he's given some mail. And this is where I think it doesn't age well in the sense of it jumps. Like it really jumps. Oh, yeah. A hard left turn. Like we're on a plane now. Yeah. We're on a plane with this woman that he's loved forever, who we've never heard of. I believe at this point in um Uncanny, she like she made an appearance. Did she? Okay. Because I didn't know what was going on. Your mic is far away from you right now. Hear me? Yes. Um and it's uh Marikio. Marikio, Marikio, Yoshida, mm-hmm. and um, this is like the love of his life. They always wanted to be with him. He's gonna go to Japan and go see her because he can't find her. He's been trying to call her, mail her, and she's not answering. Yeah. So again, here's to me where it doesn't age well. Like Wolverine is straight up stalking this woman. Yes, um, in multiple ways. And there are there are points even before one of the characters who, who whose name escapes me right now points it out but there are parts where wolverine himself says she is refusing to talk to me but i will talk to her and then another character his friend in the japanese government whose name i can't think of right now tells him you need to leave her alone she's made her choice i know you don't think she wants to make that choice i know you don't agree with that choice but guess what dude it's her fucking choice and she oh, made shit. it <laughs> like i was like oh true so somebody knew that like Wow, Chris Claremont every now and then. He, uh, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> so, and, we'll, and also, when it comes to the way this book jumps, if this book was made today and people had the confidence of the character of Wolverine, this would be at least six issues, not four issues. And you have no. more, more time to kind of branch if out the this, story. My friend, if this were a Wolverine series written today, it would be a 12-issue <laughs> maxi-series <laughs> that then got extended to a 24-issue series. And 15 variant covers. That, yes. It, <laughs> it would never cease publication. <laughs> so when uh, Wolverine goes to see this woman he loves so much, she's like, leave, I don't want to see you. And then sees she's bruised and beaten by her husband. So, of course, Wolverine is pissed. And he goes to beat the fuck out of the husband. And he's taken by... Oh, first the woman stops him. Um, saying, like, just leave. Don't hurt him. You're going to make things worse. And then the father, I believe. This is the father. Yes. Uh, the head of the Shida clan. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically embarrasses Wolverine. And this is some of the writing that did age well. I thought. Can really we unique. talk for one moment? Go for it. About how... Meriko's father 
bears a striking re- striking resemblance to Professor Charles Xavier. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> bald men, man. You know, do what you gotta there, do. There's like one scene in here where it's like close up on his eyes, and even his eyebrows do that weird Charles Xavier thing, kind of roll up. <laughs> and then like they do a close up, and his like cheeks are just super sallow. I'm like, is that fucking Professor X? What's going on here, man? Well, I thought it was a weird choice in his clothing because I'm like, you're choosing this like martial arts master to look like Iron Fist. Nah, that's a good point. I wonder, was Iron Fist around in? Yeah, 19. Yeah, he was in the 70s. Yeah, 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 it's true, 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 true. So, and especially the clothing Iron Fist had in the 70s was way more poofy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's because all Asian inspired characters had to wear this outfit. That's true. So, first, the father, um, kind of embarrasses wolverine by i'm gonna fight you with wooden sticks even though he knows wolverine can heal you don't deserve the right to have a real samurai sword in your yes which is very fucking hardcore yeah and then he proceeds to embarrass him and beat the fuck out of him and hit all his pressure points and avoiding wolverine's weapon yeah which wolverine points out too had wolverine not been a mutant with um adamantium skeleton and healing factors would have killed him yeah <clears throat> and also eventually wolverine just gets pissed off and goes berserk well he actually didn't go berserk yet uh but he gets pissed off and realizes this whole thing was a test to embarrass him in front of uh, mariko and show that he's nothing but an animal and that's not the first time we're gonna get that point in this book but oh no, that point gets driven home many times but so, i do yeah go ahead. No, no, I was jumping way too far ahead. Sorry. Uh, if you like people explaining every few pages what Wolverine is and what his powers are, you're going to love this book. Well, one, let me tell you, this was okay. So, come with me, dear listener, to a gentler time, to the year of our Lord, 1982. <laughs> um, Wolverine was like still a relatively new member of the X Men. This was his first miniseries. Yeah. This was his first solo thing at all. Um, and at this time, I don't think anyone knew how popular Wolverine was going to be. Oh, and so clearly. like they, his power, the Wolverine we know today is not the Wolverine that is in this series. So like it's his claws, very evident, yeah. his claws are not a mutant power at this point. His claws were something that was given to him by what we later think of as Weapon X, but right now we just, we don't even know what that is. Like, Well, he even just, his healing factor doesn't work the way, like no. this story today does not work. No. The Wolverine no. today would be like, that does nothing to me. I'm healing immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I kind of like, I like this version of Wolverine a little bit more because there is some level of like vulnerability. I can be hurt. There's yeah. vulnerability. Exactly. That's the word I'm looking for. Vulnerability. Like, well, yes, like, he's going to heal, but he's going to be laid up for a while. Like at one point he gets poisoned in, in the lead up to this. Like that's how he gets dragged to see her father. He's poisoned. And that also affects his fighting skill because his body is still trying to fight off the poison. Like it, his healing factor isn't the fastest thing in the fucking world right now. It takes some yeah. time. And they even did that in the movie. Remember, he was poisoned, I think, in like the first act. So he lost his healing factor. Mm. And that changed the whole dynamic of the movie because Wolverine mm. is now vulnerable. Yeah, He's not just going to be an indestructible killing machine. So then Wolverine, I, I believe he was already poisoned, right? Yes, at this point. At, during the fight, he's poisoned. He's still under the effect of the poison, which is why his reflexes and everything are, are dulled. 
Yeah. So he also is like now passing out in the streets of Japan. A few guys are going to try and beat him up, which again, it's kind of ridiculous now looking at it, but Wolverine was like going to fear for his life. And then all these men are killed by a mysterious woman who picks him up. And then again, hard cut to where I thought this was a flashback. Okay, wait. So what's happening in yours Uh, is... so yeah. right now you're you're talking about when the mysterious woman beats up the people in the alley and then picks up Wolverine by his face? Yeah. Okay, that's the end of issue one. Yes. Okay, all right. So that's but then why. it hard cuts for me. Like, it says issue two. Oh, but okay. the next panel is Wolverine fighting the hand, defending the woman. So I thought this was like a, a flashback. Oh, shit, wait. My Mario. thing's still load, loading. Hold on. I don't know why it's not loading. Here that's why I was confused at first. I'm like, why is this flashback happening? And then it's not, and then I was even more confused. Oh yeah, you're right. That is a pretty hard transition. Yeah, yeah. He like, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> I, it's loaded, so I'm with you now. And then we get some <clears throat> fantastic art. The image of Wolverine busting out of a window oh, with a bunch so of ninjas good. on rooftops, like awesome. That's that's like a that's a frame I want. Like that, that's fantastic. But then again, I'm still going. Who's this woman? Who? And I didn't look it up. I was just curious. This lay Death Strike eventually, right? She becomes Lady Deathstrike, I believe. This is, um, I don't know if she becomes, this is Yukio. I don't know. Does Yukio become Lady Deathstrike? I'll, I'll look, look that up right now. Okay. All right. So, so what's happening right now in issue two of the Wolverine miniseries is Yukio, who we're meeting here for the first time, and Wolverine have joined forces. She's the one who ended up saving Wolverine in the alley. And now they must fight the hand together. At this point in the story, we don't know why the hand is after either one of these people. For those who don't know, the Hand is one of the most famous ninja assassin guilds in all of the Marvel Universe and will soon become very closely tied to Daredevil and Frank Miller. So it's a pretty cool callback there. So as he's fighting the Hand, he notices that Yukio is able to hold her own. She gets cut at one point during the battle and he notices that she kind of enjoys it and that she's able to fight these people off and she has a real strong bloodlust. So he kind of sees himself in her a little bit and they, they make a pretty decent team. After they defeat the hand, he swoops off with Yukio and she tends to his wounds. As, as we mentioned, his healing factor still quite ain't what it, used, what it is these days. And this is one of the scenes I was talking about before too, where, so if this is an issue too. Wolverine is laying on this, you know, this mattress and she's, tending to his ribs and the way they show it they must be in some kind of penthouse or some kind of skyscraper but it's clearly like windows all around them but you're looking down at the scene and the way the city is drawn from that downward angle all these like straight lines going going from top to bottom of the screen it's really disorienting and kind of feels like they're just floating in the city and you don't even it takes a minute to register for me at least that they were in a room. So I'm going to screenshot this and, and post it on Twitter so everybody can see it because I think it's really good. Also, what happens here is Yukio tries to bang Wolverine. And um, he <laughs> she says... likes the way he fights, man. He's like, and she's like, come on, man. Let's let's get down the, the brass tacks. Let's, let's bang one out. And Wolverine's like, no, man. I'm in love with somebody else. And he walks away. So she gets mad and says, no, you're mine. Next, we cut to an interlude which is, I believe, what's happening here? Yeah, this is Yukio going to visit the, um, what are they called again? 
Yoshida? Is that who they are? Yoshida clan, yeah. Yeah, the Yoshida clan. So we find out in this scene that she is working for Mariko's father, who is the head of the Yoshida clan. And she has been hired to Also, kill. she's not laid that strike, by the way. Okay, I didn't think so. Because she she has a pretty strong arc herself. And I don't ever, I don't, I did not recall her becoming Lady Deathstrike. So, okay, good. I'm glad I wasn't wrong about that. So what's happening here? I'll round this out and then, then somebody who's much better at this recap than I am can take back over. <laughs> so what's happening here is uh, Yukio, we are finding out that Yukio is working for Mariko's father and the Yoshida clan. And she's been hired as an assassin to kill Wolverine, but she doesn't want to. And so he just starts choking her and I'm going to hand it back over to Nick. Well, she was pissed off. Yuriko was, was pissed off because she didn't know the hand ninjas were going to try that hard to kill her. And the father was basically saying, I, well, they had to make it look real or Wolverine would know. And then he chokes her. At, like, it looks like they're trying to show like she, he knows all the pressure points of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And saying basically, listen, do this right now. You're going to kill Wolverine, but before you do, you're going to kill one of my rivals. I'm going to essentially send my daughter and my son-in-law into a meeting with my rival because he won't think I'll put my daughter in danger. Hint, hint, I will. But if my daughter gets hurt, I'm going to kill you too. So, you know, she's under a lot of pressure. I mean, that's a lot of job (laughs) pressure, man. Yeah. So, uh she tells Wolverine, hey, I know where the girl's going to be. We're just going to go rescue her. She doesn't tell him anything else. What they, what they didn't plan for, though, was this other rival was, was going to try and kill the daughter right then and there with the mm-hmm. stage show. And the samurai on the stage show runs to kill them, and Wolverine stops them and kills him. And then he has a pretty cool fight scene with a bunch of other samurais, also wearing yellow and, and green for some reason. Because that's the samurai color, man. So the uh, rival runs away into his car and Yurikyo blows it up. Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, shit. So, sorry. Um, So what they're, he, they're, the assassins are there under the guise of a performance. So that's what they're wearing green and yellow because they're Yeah, stage play. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing the 47 Ronin play, which anyone who knows Frank Miller is, of course they are. (laughs) Yes. But on also, again, during all this, um, I keep saying her name wrong. Mariko. Mariko. Let me hold on. Let me clear my mind. Mariko is how I say. Mariko. Mariko. Yeah. Mariko. We're sees probably fucking it up, and we're we're both bad at all names. Okay? Yeah, we're bad at all names, and I feel extra bad because I watch a lot of Japanese television. Yeah, you should be better at this than me. I should be better at this, but I'm not. So I am so bad at pronouncing white people names all fucking <laughs> names and i have to say people's names all the time and i butcher them so again she sees wolverine i think in this instance actually go berserk and kill all these guys and she's horrified and he's like shit and the other woman goes awesome now he's mine because this woman doesn't want anything to do oh, with yukio him. yeah yukio man when when we cover the the uncanny part yukio's fucking cool as shit <laughs> So then Yukio and Wolverine basically just go bar hopping and having a good time. And Wolverine's old friend from Canada is like, hey, you got to stop doing this, but I need you to help with some other stuff. And Wolverine's like, fuck off, basically. He's like, I don't want nothing to do with you. I don't give a fuck. I just want to keep getting drunk and fighting with this girl. I and don't, eventually... Frankly, I would have liked for this series to just go that route at this yeah. point. Like, you know what? 
I'm down with that. I want a Wolverine miniseries where instead it's like a what if. What if what if Wolverine and Yukio became partners? <laughs> yeah. But then she does the real like crazy girl thing where she lays down train tracks and waits for a train to come and then Wolverine pulls him out of the way and he's like, Are you insane? And she's like, We're gonna live on the edge. We're gonna live forever, but one day we'll die, and that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, Yukio um she cares not for death. Yeah. She she feels that the brushes we have with death is what gives life meaning. Yeah. And then Wolverine in his drunken state falls asleep and has a dream about being a samurai warrior and being killed by a bunch of arrows with some foreshadowing. Uh and then wakes up to find Yukio fighting the hand. Because they want to kill her now because she didn't kill Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And then when she picks up Wolverine to say, we're going to run away together, he calls her Mariko. And she's like, what the fuck? You still love her. And then kicks him in the face. He, he gets, most dudes would get slapped in the face. <laughs> Yukio don't play the, no slap in the face game. She no. plays a, you get a boot to the face, sir. So now she's off to kill Mariko. Again. Hey, I know how to get out of the picture. <laughs> like, killer. Okay. I, I I personally think Yukio would be like, Wolverine ain't worth my time. I'm going to go find yeah, somebody else. Yeah, he's not that great, right? He's, I mean, especially 1982 Wolverine. He's kind of fucking ugly. Let's be honest. <laughs> Frank Miller's he's Wolverine. He's the short, short, hairy guy with, with weird, hair. With weird spiky blue hair. Like, he is <laughs> ugly as fuck. So... Wolverine's like, well, fuck, I gotta stop her now. So keep in mind, this is like a classic Wolverine story. I never realized it's just a weird, awkward love triangle. Yeah, it is basically a it's basically a noir film set in Japan that yeah. is basically all revolves around a love triangle. That's really weird. Yep. Like that's where I'm like, maybe this doesn't age well. That's kind of yeah. stupid. It, it it is definitely dumb. It is definitely not my favorite Wolverine story. It's not even, it's not even one of my top 10 X-Men story, you know, like it's, yeah. it's definitely far down on the list for me as far as classics go. So after this happens, uh, she kills Mariko's husband and then the hand get there and they both fight the hand off. And again, great fight scene art. And it ends with them fighting off the hand and, um, Yukio leaving. Then the last issue of this, issue four. As he chases, so real quick, I just, I want to, because we've been, we we shit on Frank Miller a lot right now. And we have, I don't think we've done enough to, like, Claremont's delivers some very cliche, noir, detective novel lines in this, but like, the writing in here is good. It it yes. is it for what it is for this for the genre it is. It, it definitely feels less like a suit. It definitely feels if you're reading Uncanny at the time and then you're reading this, there is a big difference from what. Oh, there's a difference between the writing in this and the writing in the Uncanny issues right after this. Exactly, and they're it both totally written by Claremont. Like, it, and it, it, I think it just goes to show what what a good writer Chris Claremont was yeah. and what a command he had and. I, I, I was going to say has, but he doesn't anymore. He had on well, these Well, it hasn't been that long since he wrote something for Marvel. Like, he wrote a Nightcrawler story not too long ago. Like, mm-hmm. I want to say he, three, four years ago. 
he and and I still regrettably haven't read it, but he and um Sinkevich recently did a one shot New Mutants thing last year. Oh yeah, too. yeah, I did. I didn't and read I still, that either. I still haven't read that either. But. And I still would love to see what Claremont would do in this current X Men Dawn of X universe. I've heard rumors that he hates the idea of what's going on right now. So oh, is it? I've never heard that yeah, before. I, 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 I don't can know. see. It. I can totally see it. It's totally I can see it being done. true. I can one hundred percent see it being true. I just don't know if it is for sure. Yeah. But what I wanted to say real quick before we move on is to take a moment and talk about Frank Miller's art here in the chase scene when when Wolverine is chasing Yukio through the city. You have like this four I'm thinking of the specific four panel set right now where like she's jumping over rooftops and he's following her and you have this splash of red, then a splash of blue with weird like close-ups of her mouth. Yeah. And behind like the the ground for Sin City was being set up here. Like this, if this is a, this, you could show me this. And at first I was like, Oh, is that from Sin City? Like it would yeah. instantly, like it's got that, like he clearly had his style already. And, and that's, that's impressive, you know? So the last part of the story is them going to almost indirectly, both of them going to try and finish off the father of the Yoshida clan. And it kind of shows Wolverine, Again, these hard cuts, like, when did he put his costume on? Like, little things that we would see in comic books today. It just goes, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Yeah. We're there now. Wolverine running Which, through the streets. It's not not a Claremontian thing. Claremont loves to tell you how we're getting. Like, yeah, he might, and he'll take his time. Like, he'll, set, he'll show you something. And you're like, oh, I don't, I don't get what that means. And then three years from now, you'll be like, oh, I see what he did three years ago. Like, I think it's the four-issue thing. Yeah, like, I, this is not Claremont's wheelhouse. Because I, I want to say, even though I never personally read it, I want to say the whole um, Ileandra story was longer when she was Which, in hell. Oh, 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 magic? Um, yeah. Was that four? That might have only been, that might have been four or five. I want to say it was five, and then you had all the stuff in Uncanny. You know what? It. I can, I can, well, actually, yeah. So, detour for a moment. So the, the, the magic short story. So if you have not read the original Ileana magic short story. Yeah, I want to trade of that. <laughs> it is fucking good. Yeah. It is a really good story. If you, lo- if you like the character of Ileana at all, and if you like Storm, because I believe it's called Magic and Storm or Ileana and Storm, something, something weird like that. They put Storm's name into it to, to try to get some sales out of it. Yeah. And, and I mean, she's in it. A version of her but yeah no, a, i know what happens more yeah, or less than it, yeah. if you if you have not read it you should totally read it it is really bonkers good. yeah it is so fucking cool and like <laughs> everything everything about iliana to this day ties back to that fucking miniseries yes uh so they're going off to kill the father and wolverine wants to he has like <laughs> this whole montage of getting weapons together yeah and I was like, is that necessary? You have <laughs> like, weapons in your hand. Like, you have, like, eight different kinds of knives. Like, you don't <laughs> need that. <laughs> you so that's have, a bit weird. If I'm counting correctly, you have six total in your body. <laughs> <laughs> like, what else do you need? So, the hand, I believe they're waiting for Wolverine, but they catch uh, Yuriko first. Quite literally. Yeah, literally like, with a net. When she goes, a net. Yeah, my, <laughs> like, favorite, this is my favorite scene. A net. <laughs> no. <laughs> they won um, my one weakness. 
Then we cut to how Wolverine already decimated all the hand ninjas who decided to switch from red to black because that's cooler and probably easier with the art. And then Yuriko actually saves uh, Mariko. Yes. And Wolverine's like, well, I can't hate her that much now. She saved the woman I love. And then Wolverine has to fight the head of the Yushida clan, the father. Uh, they have an epic fight. But in this fight, I kept thinking of the... There's a really good fight scene in the Wolverine where uh, Wolverine's fighting the same character. Mm-hmm. And it's that scene when he just got his healing factor back. And they're fighting. And it's like a blue silhouette and it's raining. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember And now. it's really well done, really well shot. But again, it has no stakes because Wolverine's going to be fine. Yeah. And then he does the same thing he does in his book where he stops playing and then puts his fist right in his face <laughs> and pops his claws because, yeah. yeah, that's what you do. So after that, uh, Wolverine thinks, that's it. This woman definitely doesn't like me anymore, which again feels so weird. <laughs> like, I'm sure she's not into me anymore. There's no way she is. <sighs> I, I didn't care about her honor or tradition or culture earlier, but now that I've killed her father, I guess, I guess <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, I guess I know that she's going to have to avenge his death and kill me. Yeah. That's a real bummer. I was hoping we could bang one out. I mean, I wish she could kill me, but she can't because I'm me. But um, <laughs> Nobody wants to die more than Wolfrey wants And then to she's die. like, no, you have honor now. Take the sword. I, You're that to me man. was like, what the shit? He didn't even kill him with the sword. He killed him with his claws that yeah. were like. It was the least him. honorable thing. I know. He killed him with a mutant power he had <laughs> and, and an extra weapon he didn't bring, like he didn't have in the fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. To me, it doesn't feel honorable, but what do I know about honor? <laughs> and then the book, again, abruptly ends with, to me, some very odd art for Storm, looking like a gremlin. But. Um, them looking at an invitation to the wedding of Wolverine and Mariko. Yes. So Storm, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too. Because when I first, when I saw this, I was like, why does Storm look like a snake? Yeah, a snake, like her, yeah. Her, she's got like, what, what's that called? When they're going um, up and down pupils, you know? like Yeah. Weird reptile eyes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's weird. But, you know, I guess Frank Miller's a racist. So what are we going to do? Yes. I'll, I'll confirm. Uh, so... <laughs> Now we're getting to two or three issues of Uncanny. Two issues. Um, vamp for two seconds while I get there. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, like, a thick two issues. I was surprised how much it, how, how Yeah, it and is. we're going we're gonna to skim over these real yeah, quick. Yeah, because a lot of excellent stuff happens in these books. So here we go. We are talking about... Go ahead. Uncanny X-Men number 172 and 173. So this right. is the introduction of a lot of classic characters. Viper, uh, Silver Samurai. Uh, you informed me this is the first time we we're going to see uh, Storm's Mohawk kind of punk this, rock era. Yep, this book. is um, issue 173 is the marriage of Wolverine and Mariko. And also the first appearance of Storm with a Mohawk. This is also... Much more important in the long run. Honestly, yes. Yeah. Because Mohawk Storm, best storm. Um, Did she already beat um, what's her face from the Morlocks before this or after this? I, think I feel so. like she looked like this when she beat the Morlock lady. She this is she has already done it, but then she goes back at some point okay. to visit them. Because um, she had to fit in, she had to fit in way more. <laughs> 
Um, and this is also the first one of the first times. So Rogue has already joined the team in the in the issue or two before this. Yeah. But this is basically Rogue's first quote unquote mission with the team. This is also one of the the first few appearances of Lockheed, Kitty Pride's dragon. Yep. In so a box. Lot, yep. We got a lot going on here. So yeah. Is this um, the first time Madeline Pryor is meeting them? Because she had a moment where she's like, who the yes. fuck are these people? This is the first time Maddie is also... So at this time, this is post the Phoenix Saga. Scott has left the team and is... Um, I don't know if they're married yet or just engaged, but he's with Madeline Pryor right now. And they are off in Alaska where she lives. And she was a pilot and he's trying to piece together her past and trying to start a new life with her. And he also gets invited to the wedding, which later is when the whole team gets to realize that Scott Summers is dating somebody who looks strikingly like Jean Grey and Madeline Pryor, which this is again, 1982. It is not until like 86, 87. <laughs> that a long game. Chris Claremont story that we find out she is a Jean Grey and Chloe. Like it, it's crazy how long after it is that, that this Madeline Pryor fucking story unfolds itself. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Or we're, we're recording. Um, so yeah, a few, a lot of things, different things happen in this book, but like we mentioned before, it reads very differently from Wolverine. When you go from like this kind of noir, simple feel to like thrown into a story, mm-hmm. it's kind of yeah. weird. It it definitely is, and I, I I can I can't imagine how it was reading, um, like for you or or anybody picking up the graphic novel, not having just spent the past several years like I have going back through the, the seventies and eighties of the Uncanny X Men run, but um so yeah it's it's definitely jarring, and one of the things I noticed too going back and rereading these two issues or re skimming these two issues, is how much, I appreciate Paul Smith's art. So mm-hmm. Paul Smith is the artist on these two issues. And he, to me, is one of those like essential X-Men artists that you think, oh, he must have drawn X-Men for years. Not really. Paul Smith really only did like maybe a year's worth of X-Men total and not even probably at one, not one consistent year. Like off and on, like over like a span of a few years did he do some art. But his his art style, I think, is really... One of one of the art styles I think of when I think of certain X Men characters, especially these X Men characters. Well, for just skimming and talking about the main points, uh, we're introduced to the now I, I'd say classic uh, character of Silver Samurai, who oh, yeah. I never knew was the brother of uh, Mariko. Yep, and he wants revenge. He has a special a special sword, energy sword that can actually kill Wolverine and break his metal bones. You know, mm-hmm. sure makes sense, and. I think it's a really, it's a cool character. I always like the look. Hem and Viper eventually join Hydra in other comics. Like, that's where I was first introduced to Viper. Was in oh, Hydra. really? Yeah, hmm. Captain America related stuff. She was like that the... That makes sense, yeah. Viper became the new Madam Hydra quite a few times back in the day. Mm, that does sound familiar, yeah, yeah. And she would have Silver Samurai with her. Okay, that's interesting. It, yeah. I did not really know. I knew... I. The Viper thing sounds familiar. I did not realize that Silver Samurai ever appeared outside of X-Men. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was part of Hydra a few times. Oh, cool. And he's also so, one of those characters I'm always like, is he a mutant? I don't think so, right? He's just got a power suit. 
Uh, that's or still did a they retcon it? Did they? I feel it? like they retconned it one okay. time. Right. I know Gorgon's definitely a mutant for sure. Yeah, especially now. But well, I can't know that remember. now for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if Silver Samurai is considered a mutant. Um, also, going kind of all the way back to the beginning, this book would have been much better and age better if we just had some more history. Because again, if you're just reading this book. He loves this woman that as a longtime fan and reader, I have no idea who she is. Oh, well, here's the thing, though. Even if you are a longtime fan and reader, from my recollection of how Mariko comes into being, you just find out about her like everyone else. And that is the thing I both love and hate about Wolverine as a character. Is <laughs> you can literally just all of a sudden like a letter appears and it's somebody from Wolverine's past. And you're like, all right, I guess that's <laughs> cool. True. He's like 100 years old. I guess, what yeah, can I like say? What, like, he's lived 17 different lifetimes. Like, yeah. all right, I guess that's fine. But yeah, it was definitely one of those like classic, like something came up and he was like, <laughs> I, I have to go. And somebody now he's I, getting married. <laughs> somebody I know in Japan needs me. And they're like, wait, who, what? <laughs> like, And this was like one of the first times that happened because this was like early on in the Wolverine history. So yeah, no. You didn't know as a reader either. The Wolverine, that that miniseries we just read was meant to give you the backstory of Mariko. <laughs> Great job. So uh, <laughs> my favorite parts in this whole book, though, is a lot of good action and Rogue and Wolverine kind of bonding. And I love it. I love... I hate Rogue's costume in this series. Oh, my God. I love it. I love this class, so especially weird. when Paul Smith draws old school Rogue. I love Paul Smith's old school Rogue where she has short hair, she still has the white streak. She's got like the weird. It's very 80s for sure. It's very 80s, but it also like she looks like she just is visiting us from Hyrule. And she just <laughs> she's just stepped out of out of Legend of Zelda, and she's like, "Let's do this, motherfucker." Yeah. But like, I love it. I I, there, there, I took so many screenshots just to post of of Rogue. I was like, "Oh man, I love this Rogue." <laughs> um, she almost sacrificed her life just to save Wolverine. Wolverine's like take my energy and take my power and you'll be better. And she was afraid she'd kill Wolverine. He's like, I'll take the risk. Yeah. So at this point, for those who don't know, this was many of you probably know that rogue was a bad guy. Rogue got her. Most of the powers we think about when we think of rogue, her flight, her strength, her near invincibility. Yeah. Those are Captain Marvel's powers. Yes. And she, her mutant power, as we all know, is to steal other mutants' powers, but generally they're very temporary. When we first are introduced to Rogue, she's part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. She's working with Mystique to assassinate somebody. I forget who it was. Might have been an X Men. I don't remember. But at the time, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, was with the X Men. Miss Marvel all, at the time. Yeah. Miss Marvel. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Marvel at the time was with the X-Men um, and the West Coast Avengers, I believe. And Was she already binary or was that after? No, she that was up? after, yeah. Binary is so fucking cool. Yeah, no, binary is really cool. Binary is dope looking. No, this was after because she, so Rogue attacks Miss um, Marvel, takes her powers. For some unknown reason, she takes so much of her power that it never cosmic leaves. rules cosmic i guess maybe maybe it's a kind cosmic, of, yeah. I, I don't know but she, it never leaves she literally takes it from her yeah and now she has it forever and carol and danvers she, was in a coma for a while and she was in a coma for a little bit she stayed with the x-men she learned how to be a human again and then later on shortly before the brood saga i believe she gets another cosmic power and becomes binary they're pretty but, easy to get in the marvel universe it's so fucking easy <laughs> 
Like you just walk outside and at any given moment, fucking Terrigen mist is coming down. Or if fucking, you live in New York in you, the Marvel universe, if holy live, shit. Either you're dead or you're a hero. If you live in the tri-state area. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's where, so yeah, so this is, this is Rogue. So Rogue was a bad guy. And then she decided she was tired of not being able to control her powers anymore. And she was tired of using her powers for bad. So she ran away from Destiny and Mystique, which were her literal destiny. Yes, the character destiny. De- she, yeah, not not. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the character <laughs> destiny and and her mo- basically her, they were her surrogate mothers. Yeah, and she ran away and she joined the X Men. Not not necessarily because she wanted to be a good guy, but because she believed it was her best chance of learning to control her powers. And then she realized, I want to do good things. And that's when they gave her the chance. At the time, Storm is the leader, and she was the one, Xavier was the one who's told her, I think you're welcome, but it's Storm's call. And Storm at the time was like, I don't trust you, but we've taken in worse than you, so let's fucking do it. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite aspects of, of this book, though, is the part where I guess this is the first time Madeline Pryor's meeting the X Men, and she kind of has this moment of like, who are these people? What the hell is going on? Like, there are many times in, at this point and going forward where she like sees Scott's other life and was like, "There, this this is going to be a running plot point forever." If you meet is, someone with laser eyes, guess what? Their friends are gonna be kind of weird. Yeah, and it, and it's not. So at first, it's very much of, "Oh my god, you're all you're all circus freaks, huh?" But but later it becomes more of a Madeline Pryor versus the X-Men in the sense of Scott is very torn between his love for the X-Men and his sense of duty to the X-Men yeah, and family, wanting, yeah. and which is his family. And then also torn between his other family, which at this point is Madeline Pryor and soon to be Cable. So <laughs> that can of worms. Uh, so <laughs> So, yeah, I, I like these two issues, but I just kind of skimmed it because it felt sure. – it was a jarring shift. So what happens in these two issues is they're, the X-Men are there for Wolverine's marriage to Mariko. Yukio shows back up because she wants to ruin their wedding. I can't remember. I think <laughs> – no, she's there. Oh, she's there because she knows um, Silver Samurai and Viper are there to assassinate. And so he's, she's there to, to protect him. Um. And then Yukio and Storm become best friends, which is really one of the major points of this because Yukio's influence on Storm. So at this time in, in, in X-Men, Storm is kind of not fully in control of her powers right now. I forget exactly what happened. It might be something that Emma did to her. Um, but she's kind of not in touch with nature the way she used to be. She's not feeling like the the goddess of weather anymore. She's yeah. She's shaken. She's not. She's not as confident as she used to. But not stirred. She's never stirred. Don't you ever fucking say otherwise. Um, so her friendship with Yukio, who's a thrill seeker, who's living on the edge, who's a devil may care attitude character, really helps bring out that sense in Storm and, and bringing out that like. Not everything has to be about good and evil. Not everything has to be about restoring balance to nature. I can live for just me. I can do things that make me feel good, and that's fine. And that is what leads Storm to changing her look. She doesn't feel like the goddess of nature anymore. She feels like an 80s punk. She wants to give herself a mohawk. She starts wearing leather and weird belts. 
And that is her friendship with Yukio. And I will go ahead and say now, many people believe, and I do too, her her relationship, we'll say, with Yukio. Oh yeah, sure. Is is what brings that out. So yeah, I, I think that is probably bigger than than Wolverine's almost marriage to Mariko. I think Storm's relationship with Yukio really sets this sets the stage for the storm that many people knew from the 80s and the storm that like we have now because now we have this the goddess of nature storm who also remembers who she was at this time and is still grounded if you will yeah so this book ends with uh mariko so happy to finally marry logan for some reason and i mean it's better than getting abused okay well let's look at this way so her first marriage was an arranged (laughs) one with her father to an abusive ugly man and at the time her only other option was a frank miller drawn logan (laughs) but now now (laughs) she can have a paul smith drawn logan and tell me you look at this right now. You tell me that Paul Smith's Logan is not more attractive. He definitely than a, is. Than a Frank Miller. If you were told you had to marry one version of Wolverine, <laughs> and it could either be Frank Miller's or Paul Smith's, who are you picking? He's very almost James Bond chiseled jaw-esque. Lo- like. Yeah, he's definitely, he's <laughs> definitely a secret agent. Man. I'm looking at a picture right now where he's drinking something and like laughing. Like just I'm not gonna say one, yeah. That's what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, like he's just having a good fucking time. He's also about to be poisoned. But. Yes. <laughs> so at the end of all this, for some reason, look at that chest. Uh, look at that. Chest. Mastermind has made uh, Mariko think she does not want to marry Logan, and at the wedding, she says no and says, "You have no honor. <laughs> you have no honor." Yeah. So Mastermind Wolverine's strikes like, again. Cue the Kirby enthusiasm music. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, Mastermind is all about ruining everybody's relationships. He fucked up uh, Jean Grey when she had the Phoenix Force. He, yeah, he some, did. <laughs> at some point, he's gonna fuck around with Maddie, and he's currently fucking around with Mariko. Um, and that's the end of the story. That's the end of the arc. There was another thing I did want to mention about Kitty Pride when oh, Kitty when Kitty sees storm this is a part of me like there's a part of me that truly hates this scene forever because everyone who's listened to this knows how deeply in love i am with kitty pride as a character she is just the fucking coolest but she her overreaction yeah <laughs> the storm changing her outfit is such a classic 80s kitty pride because at this point i think she's like 14 or 15 like she's yeah. such like a fucking teenager and and storm is clearly her surrogate mother like storm has calls her kitten Storm has been her mom since she's joined the X-Men. Storm is the reason she joined the X-Men. Storm is the reason she tried to save the X-Men when, when that whole thing started. So, like, I get on one hand, you're a teenager, your real parents uh, have issues, and you've been, you had to leave them. This woman you thought was your mom has been acting real weird lately, and now all of a sudden she's popping up and looking like she's about to go to the club and fuck some random dude. Well, I like, feel more I bad for up. the people that have to like wait at the mansion. Everyone comes back from Japan. Everyone has all these cool Japan Japanese clothes. And Storm is like, "Yeah, what's up?" No one is expecting Storm to look like that after a trip from Japan. From Japan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, at this point, luckily the Xavier School it 
doesn't have a high enrollment right now. <laughs> so like most of everyone in the Xavier school is with them yeah. in Japan. So like there's no one at home really right now about to find out what's what's happening. <laughs> like, bro, you uh changed. I didn't think this would be the options in Japan. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. So you, I just felt like <laughs> I so met this bad I met this bad girl and I liked it, so I'm gonna go full on with her. <laughs> that's a traditional Japanese mohawk, correct? Yeah. Is that is that a part of that? But yeah, no, this is definitely like for what almost feels like a throwaway story in Wolverine's history, because like really there's so many fucking retcons that have happened. This is like these two issues alone set up so much future stories for everyone other than Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Like Cyclops Uh. and Madeline, all the future that they're about to have is set up in this. Kitty Pride in, in Storm's relationship, about to go through all kinds of shit. Storm is quite literally maybe six to seven issues away from losing her powers altogether yeah. and learning how to like be a human, which is going to be a fucking awesome couple arcs if you haven't read those. Like everybody else, Nightcrawler is still learning how to like, at this point, Nightcrawler, I think this is one of the first times he's not had his image inducer. Mm-hmm. So he's just being himself. You got Rogue there. Like everyone else, this story is more important to. <laughs> Wolverine just getting man. shit on. <laughs> oh, he's just getting married. Don't worry about that. Yeah. That's not important. Well, that was a fun ride. Um, I give it three X's. I So I'm torn because to me, these are two different things in my, in my experience reading them. Mm-hmm. So if I put them all together, I'll give it three stars. If I re if I'm talking the Wolverine miniseries, I might just give it two on its own and three for the other two. Like if I were to break it down that way. Yeah. But overall, I think averaged out to about three stars is fine. All right. Three guys. X's. I'm sorry. Three X's. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Get it right. All right, guys. So next week, what we're gonna be doing, we're gonna be reviewing the TV classic Mutant X. Uh, if you're wondering where you can watch that for free, there is an app called Tubi and um t-u-b-i right yeah and um it's it's kind of a random app it's on everything it's on ps4 and uh roku and xbox and everything it's totally free you just get a few commercials when you watch it it's one of the most random streaming services because it literally survives off having movies that no other streaming service owns so it's basically like what crackle used to be yeah a bunch of shows that no one owns, a bunch of movies that no, there's even a section called not on Netflix anymore. Oh, and the most, yeah. And the, literally the moment someone else takes it, they take it off theirs. And also if you're a tokusatsu fan, they have a lot of good tokusatsu there. Why don't you pretend I don't know what that is and explain it to me? <laughs> so if you, if you know Power Rangers, oh, that's, that's Japanese right. footage and Japan's called Super Sentai. And there's yes. also a show called Common Rider, which is very good. And that all that genre is called tokusatsu. They also have a lot of uh, Mission Science Theater episodes. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, and the recent Rift Track stuff. Oh, and cool. they have some Godzilla stuff on there. If you're old school, technically Godzilla is under the tokusatsu banner. So there you go. Oh, shit. That does sound. That, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I have. I don't need that because I have the cr- Criterion collection of all the Japanese uh, uh, Godzilla yeah. ones, all the early ones. Watch Kamen Rider. Kamen Rider Kugo. Garnet no. is really good. No. So, no. So, what no. we're going to try and do, we're just going to watch as much as we can until the next episode, basically. Okay. I'm not going to put yeah. a limit. Just a much because I have good memories, but I was also like probably 12. 
you know? Yeah, I have good memories too, man. But <laughs> I have oh, good memories of Munex. Oh, yeah, Munex. Yeah, I have good memories. Um, and also, it's just a weird story of a show that didn't think they'd get sued by Fox and Marvel. Imagine <laughs> how bad of a lawyer they must have had to tell them, oh, no, you're good. No, no, no. This is fair use. Don't worry about it. Mutant, don't worry about that. That's not going to draw anything. And the letter a- X. Don't, you can't copyright a letter. Don't worry about it, baby doll. We got this. Don't even we worry, sugar. We got this. But I remember enjoying the show, and it did last like four seasons. So how does some redeeming bananas, qualities? Bananas to me <laughs> how they let that go on. It was in that era where like these not prime time, but not morning show, like this afternoon weekend shows of uh, as I mentioned remember? before, like yeah. Hercules, Xena, Andromeda. And for some reason, Mutant X. And it would just play at random times in the afternoon on Saturdays. That's crazy, man. That that was, what a bygone era, man. Yeah. Well, I guess bygone I would say early man. 2000s, like 2001. Yeah, and probably, even like yeah. the late 90s too, like when Hercules and Xena came out and stuff too. Like a lot of that was basically Saturday afternoon shows. Like yeah. I'm fucking heard of, man. It, it, like now? Crazy. Like imagine now being like, oh, there's a new show I like. Every, every Saturday at one o'clock. <laughs> In the afternoon, yeah, a new laugh. episode comes profitable. on, and it's going to go down as a cult classic. Like I'm talking about, like Zena, like Zena is a cult classic. Yeah, there, her, I believe those new episodes were Saturdays. If yeah, I'm not they mistaken. were. Like, yeah, Hercules and Zena were Saturday afternoons, and they were fucking great. That's insanity. Um, <laughs> they do not hold up well. So uh, <laughs> nothing really does anymore, especially Kevin Sorbo. So, uh, <laughs> well, he does if you're on Fox News. Yeah, that's true. Which then you're not an X-Men fan, or you shouldn't be at least. If so, yeah, Black mind. Lives Matter. So uh, I yeah. think oh, that... Oh, my God, yes. You know, actually, on a personal note, let me, let me say this. Please do. Go what's, off. What's been happening, yeah, what's been happening in the Black community right now has made me read more X-Men as an escape, but also as, like, a world that kind of understands me. Because, like, let's be real. Black people getting hunted down and killed in the street, and it's controversial. Like, it's on video. Like, people, cops killing black people, and then it's, like, just a thing. It's Because when I first saw all the news reports happening this week about uh, black men being killed by cops, my head literally went, yeah, it's Monday. Like, that's just what it is. That sucks. Sadly, yeah. It's a shitty feeling. And It is, I was and it's America X-Men. right now. And I'm like, God damn, more and more I feel like black people are mutants. And, like, it just happens that way. And it happens to a lot of minorities too. And that's why mm-hmm. X-Men is so great. It can give you escapism, but also give you kind of like a cathartic feeling. It, it really does. I know. That and, you're not and, alone. And, it, and I'm saying this as a cis white man, so whatever. But like one of the things that has always, always appealed to me about the X-Men is how they are there for people who are marginalized by society, whether you're a person of color, whether you're gay or lesbian, whether you're transgender, whether you're um, any form that is not considered normal by, by society, you can relate to that. You can relate to the X-Men Absolutely. and whatever your lived experiences that has made you feel like an outsider, whatever, whatever, whatever it is about you that has, that doesn't quite fit into the round holes that society wants you to fit into. That's, that's your, that's your gateway into the X-Men. And Do most you importantly, give a fuck about superheroes? Maybe yeah. not, but you, and most can you relate? It tells you to be above it. To, yeah. To, even though they hate you and fear you to be a good person to and don't give into it. And to, for, for me, 
and we talked about this last issue too when we were bitching about ultimate x-man um it's it's not even just be above it it's also you're not alone and your family is out there and you might not be with your family at this moment or the family you might be with might not feel like your family but they are out there and you can find them and you will find them yep and that has always been what the x-men is to me like as somebody who has never felt quite connected to too much that is one of the things that has always drawn me to the x-men that i can be connected to other people who are like me if they don't have to just be my family they don't have to be my blood relation to be my family like yeah there are other people out there like me and who care about the things i care about and that is my family all right that's a great way to end this show (laughs) (laughs) so where can they find you josh if you want to be part of our family, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Xbrary, and it's librarian with an X. And you can find me at Madman3005. Thank you guys for all your support. If you're a new listener, because I, I did some heavy promoting this week or the last week on uh, Reddit, and I got some likes on Reddit. So if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> if you're coming in from Reddit, whoo, did we get uh, political on you, you real you, quick at the been, end, didn't we? You've been through some shit. Uh, and uh until if you're next coming time. in from reddit please join our family we're yeah. safe we're you're safe, safe. Here. you're safe here and until next time guys we will see you next time